Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. I want to wish all of you a happy Sabbath, and I'm praying that this worship service will be a blessing to each one of us. I am proud to participate in the service because Pastor Sirban was my student at some point, and we're both learning a lot about technology by using this Zoom mechanism. And so the title of my sermon today is Focusing on Christ, Not the Crisis. And one time I attended a camp meeting, and the speaker for every evening sermon was talking about the time of trouble, which is familiar to all of us, because certainly we feel that this uh, COVID-19 is ushering in the time of trouble. So we can all relate to that. Anyway, this powerful preacher, every evening, he waxed eloquent about the time of trouble, time of trouble, time of trouble. That's all he talked about. At the end of the camp meeting, everybody left to go home very troubled. He didn't say anything about Christ. And everybody got so afraid and discouraged and troubled. And I thought to myself, we should never ever talk about the time of trouble or think about the time of trouble without including Jesus in that time of trouble. How? Jesus walks with us through the time of trouble. Jesus is the one who we should focus on. If we focus on the time of trouble, we all become troubled. We don't need to be troubled in these last days. But if we focus on Jesus, then we think of Jesus walking with us through the time of trouble. Because Jesus can walk through any time of trouble. And if we are holding his hand and walking with him, we're all going to make it. Imagine if Daniel focused only on the hungry lions. No, he focused on Jesus, the Lion of Judah, who could subdue any lions. Imagine if the three Hebrew friends focused on the fiery furnace that consumed everything, but they focused on the Son of Man, as they told King Nebuchadnezzar, even though you throw us in this fiery furnace, yet, We trust in God, and even if he doesn't save us, we'll still trust him anyway. Our mission is to trust Jesus through everything, and he'll take care of business. Now, then, I want to talk about COVID-19. Everybody knows that. It started with coronavirus, and now it is COVID-19. It's very interesting that with coronavirus, it's called a virus, by the way, very small virus, but troubled the whole world. And now scientists are still trying to find out a remedy, a vaccine, not yet. And then even if they find it, they're telling us maybe it will be effective 50% of the time. But I want to encourage everybody. I want to focus on the vaccine that Jesus provided that works 100%. It doesn't cost anything. 
at all, except his shed blood on cross of Calvary. So a worse virus than coronavirus is the virus of sin. And nobody have the solution to that except Jesus shed blood on Calvary that can take care totally of the virus of sin. And I'm saying this because I pray and hope as people think about the coronavirus, they also think about the sin virus. And may this inspire us to say it is time for us to make sure that our sins are forgiven, that the blood of Christ is applied against our sins. And therefore, I just want to remind us of that, because let me tell you this. We can be vaccinated against the coronavirus. We can get rid of it. But without getting rid of the virus of sin, we won't go anywhere. I want to go to heaven. And I think God is simply telling us, prepare yourselves. Be ready. And to be ready, we are to submit ourselves to Christ and pray that his vaccine for sin, his blood, would be applied to every life. Now, remember that this COVID-19 is global. It covers the face of the whole earth. Now, I remember reading in my Bible about another global crisis, and that was the universal flood that Noah preached 120 years to prepare people for that. And now I think of the coronavirus as another global crisis that covers every inch of the world. And so I make a comparison. The Lord wants us to be ready for his coming. And just like there was a flood of water, there is going to be a flood of fire. I'm not just saying this to scare you or me. I'm just telling you that's what the Apostle Peter said in Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 3. This is what he said. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, and we're living in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. You know, a scoffer is someone who's cynical, who says, oh, we heard this so many times, Jesus is coming soon. He, he hasn't come for a long time. I'm not sure he's coming. So the Apostle Peter is telling us to be careful about the scoffers who come to demoralize us and to undermine our faith. And then what else does he say? In verse 9 to verse 13 in the same chapter of Second Peter, and I'm reading, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but he is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance some of us should feel very fortunate that we still have time to be prepared we should feel very blessed that some of our friends and loved ones including ourselves still have the ark open for salvation. And then it goes on to say, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise 
and the elements will melt with fervent heat. It's interesting, it says heat, melting, not drowning. No, no, this will be a flood of fire. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Isn't that a wonderful promise? It's very clear that the coronavirus that covers the whole world is a wake-up call. There'll be another global crisis, so to speak, a flood of fire. Now, you know, these are not my words. I'm just simply sharing what the Bible says, and especially the part where the Apostle Peter says, considering the time is near, what kind of life should we live in holy conduct, in doing our best as our first and foremost priority to get close to Jesus, if we have sins to confess them? If the Apostle Paul himself said, by preaching to many about salvation, I don't want to be cast aside. We could be so busy helping other people to be saved. We need at this moment to make sure our calling and salvation is certain. And so, as I said, these are the facts. There'll be two floods. We had a flood of water. We had a flood. We're going to have a flood of fire. But I want to share with you this experience that I heard about fire. A story is told of a prairie hen with few chicks following her. And a prairie fire started, and the high winds were whipping this fire, and it was really moving fast. And the, the hen, the mother hen of these chicks, open, could not move fast enough. And she knew that she and the chicks would be consumed. So she stopped quickly, opened her wings. And all the chicks came under her wings. And the fire quickly swept over this hen and scorched her to death. And when the farmer came to check on his farm, he saw the hen scorched to death, lifeless, but the chicks came out from the wings, chirping and moving around, fully alive. And this reminds me of what Jesus said before his crucifixion, before he provided his shed blood as a vaccine against sin. And by the way, what a powerful vaccine. Because what we need desperately is for Jesus to take away the virus of sin. Then Jesus invite his people in um, Matthew 1, 3, 37 by saying, 
Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How many times? I have tried to gather you under my wings. We're not talking anymore about the wings of the hen. We talk about the, the wings of Jesus. How many times I tried to get under my wings to protect you from the fire com coming upon this earth? And just like there was a flood of water, there will be a flood of fire. How many times I tried to gather you, but you wouldn't let me. It's interesting the expression, how many times? implying many times and hasn't jesus invited us to open the door so you come in hasn't he invite us that here i stand at the door and knock if you hear my voice please open the door i'm sure he's been knocking for a long time many times and now we're using the illustration of the hen it's interesting that jesus did not use the illustration of an eagle you know, I never want to be called a chicken, but yet Jesus, to point out this important lesson, he said, how many times I called upon you to come under my wings, just like a hen would want to gather her chicks under her wings, but you wouldn't listen to me. But fortunately, fortunately, we still have the door of the ark open. We still have the wings of Jesus flung open to gather us. He's still calling. Here I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. Please let me come in. It's interesting, by the way, in the culture of Jesus and the disciples, when they wanted to visit friends, they didn't just knock. They did two things. They knocked. And they spoke. Here I stand at the door and knock. And then the second thing is, if you hear my voice, implying he talks to us and he calls us by name. He likes to call us by name. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that's a name. You know, uh, in, in this culture, Western culture, what do we do mostly when we want to visit people? Uh, we knock or ring the bell. And if nobody answers, we just give up and go home. But Jesus doesn't give up that easily. He knocks, and after he knocks, to make sure we get the message, he said, it's Jesus. I'm just not knocking at the door of your heart. I'm also talking to you by name. Marius, Philip, John, Kathy, Christine, I'm calling you by name. It's me. He wants to make sure he comes in. Now, I want to conclude by telling you a movie about a movie about the flood. I was young, impressionable, and you know, it was really um, quite effective, uh, quite moving, at least on the mind of this youngster. It was about the flood. It showed footage of how Noah preached for so long. You know, I'm preaching today, I don't know, for half an hour or so. Well, he preached 120 years. Pastor Marius, have you ever had a series of meetings that lasted 120 years? That's a long time, which tells you what? God is patient, long-suffering. I tell you something. 
Now, then, we come to the point I want to make about seeing this movie. And then the water start rising and rising. And, you know, and people start climbing. The trees, the highest tree. And the water went up there. The highest hill, the water went up there. And then the highest mountain. That means when the water came and covered the top of this mountain, the whole earth was covered. It was a global crisis. Many people perished, except the strongest. And I don't know if it's true or not, but, but there was this man who was swimming toward the door of the ark. And he was supposed to be Noah's uncle. He banged on the door of the ark. He said, uncle, you know me. I worked for you. I helped you. Please, I beg of you. Open the door. I am sorry, I can't. The angel came and closed it. I wish I could. But please, you got to do it. I don't want to die. I can't. I'm so sorry. And this man took his fist. He was swimming with one arm. He took his fist of the other, and the camera zoomed on that fist. And he began to pound, to pound, to pound, till his hand was bloodied. And the, and the blood of that hand discolored the water and made it bloody as he disappeared under the flood. My friends, we don't have to experience it. If any hand should be bloodied, it should be the hands of Jesus, which was on the cross. He already paid the price. Now is the acceptable time, the Bible says. Now is the day of salvation. Now, as you hear my voice, and, and it says, if you hear his voice, and I know all of us are hearing his voice, do not harden your heart. Please, my friends, let's, let's Jesus soften our hearts. He comes into our lives and takes over. You know, I just, uh, I know we know we cannot sing, but uh, I want to read at least the words. By the way, feel fortunate, I'm not going to sing. Just read the words because I don't have a good voice. And, and that's hymn number 289. And I have the hymn with me. After I finish reading the stanzas, I'll have the closing prayer. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? There is nothing in this world to keep you apart. What is your answer to him? Time after time, he has waited before. And now he is waiting again. Now he is waiting again to see if you're willing to open the door. Oh, how he wants you. Oh, how he wants to come in. Last answer. If you will take one step toward the Savior, my friend. Let's take one step now. 
Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You will find his arms open wide. Receive him. And all of your darkness will end. Within your heart, he'll abide. Time after time, he has waited before. And now he's waiting again. He doesn't give up. To see if you're willing to open the door. Oh, how he wants to come in. I want to say this. Since this virus, more than ever before, more than ever before, I've been calling people. I've been talking to people. I've been texting people to say our first and foremost priority is to be ready for Jesus to come. And so I want to challenge all of you because why? what does it profit a person if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? doesn't profit anything. And let's remember, everything we have in this world, possessions, houses, money, investments, everything will be melted. We'll take nothing with us to heaven. Only ourselves, by the grace of God, and as many people as we can help be saved. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Loving Father, Thank you for being so long-suffering. How long you wait. How you compare yourself to a hen. Dear Lord, you were scorched by the fires of the cross. So all of us do not have to be scorched. Dear Lord, thank you for suffering the death that was our destiny that we might have your life dear Lord help us to behold the Lamb of God you who takes away the sin of the world let us give you the opportunity to help us be ready and dear Lord I hear you saying to all of us if he's thick with me, thick and thin, if you stick with me through it all, we're going to make it. Peter stuck with you through thick and thin, and he made it by grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.